Good morning. Welcome to 1C. Um, would you please rise for our first song? God rest you, Mary, gentlemen, and nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan. Good morning, church. So we're starting a, a new series today called um, The Clothing of the King. In the four Sundays in Advent, we're going to be kind of following this theme of clothing, 
will be coming up. And so I want to announce that just because in the reading this morning, which is from the third chapter of Genesis, we'll get the first of these little metaphors of clothing when God clothes Adam and Eve after their sin. So kind of be listening for that theme as we read. The scripture is Genesis 3, verses 14 to 21. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. This is the word of the Lord. If you please remain standing while we confess together the faith that we share in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father God, we humbly yet boldly come into your presence today. We celebrate you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. It is because of you we are here today. It is because of your Holy Spirit that we can walk empowered with every step we take in our life. And today as we worship you together, may our spirit be true and may we worship in spirit and truth to you today. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Something you guys should know about me. I'm part Griswold. And uh, when we're missing 85% of our band, <laughs> then you get a two-person band. And so if you could 
afford us a little bit of measure of grace, that would be great.
Boys and girls, come on up front for the kids' message. Yeah, come on up. Have a seat up here on the floor. Well, I brought some things to show you this morning. I like to make pottery and Occasionally, I fire my kiln, and it's a big gas-fired kiln, and it gets really hot. It gets up over 2,300 degrees. That's really hot, and it's really bright. So when I go to check on the kiln, I wear these dark safety glasses. They got extra dark. Oh, there we go. And I wear these thick leather gloves so that I don't burn my hands. Because when I check on the kiln, I grab a brick and I pull it out and I look in the kiln and the heat comes out and the flame comes out and the brick is hot and I don't want to burn my eyes or my fingers. And these glasses cover my eyebrows, which is really good because one time flame came out and singed off my eyebrows and that was not very good. I do not look good without eyebrows. So I need these to cover me from those harsh conditions, right? That is true, yeah. I didn't make that up. <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> but you know what? Adam and Eve needed to be covered too. And let's see about this. So Adam and Eve needed to be covered up. But not right away because at first, before there was sin, they lived in the presence of God in the garden where everything was perfect and beautiful and comfortable and wonderful. But then they sinned and they were shameful and God covered them, and he kicked them out of the garden because they couldn't be in his presence anymore because of sin. So let's see here what happens. We see in Genesis 3, so after Adam and Eve had sinned, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man knowing Good and evil, he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take, take also from the tree of life and eat and also live forever. So the Lord God banished the him, which means kicked him out, from the Garden of Eden to work which he had been taken. So God covered him, Adam and Eve, in animal skin, right? Made clothes for him and kicked him out of the garden. So they were sinful and ashamed and needed to be covered and they were sent away from God's presence. But you know what? That's not the end of the story. Thank goodness, right? Because God doesn't from Adam and Eve, and God doesn't want to be separated from us. So he did something. And let's see what he did. Um, and this is even better than giving Adam and Eve clothes. All right? Clothes of animal skin. So let's see here. In John chapter 1, verse 14, we read, The word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. We have of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Huh. So God covered Adam and Eve in animal skins, but then that wasn't, he knew that wasn't enough to save them, right? So God came into this world and took on human skin. Jesus came to be born as a baby to come and rescue us, right? And so through faith in Jesus and what he did for us, we are clothed, not with 
welding gloves and dark glasses, right? But we're clothed with love, the grace and forgiveness of Jesus so that we can come into the presence not of a hot, bright kiln, but in the presence of God because we are clothed in his righteousness and the forgiveness of Jesus so that we don't have to be separated from God anymore. Isn't that amazing that Jesus would love us so much that he would come and do that for us? Yeah. Will you pray with me? We'll fold our hands and you can repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, for coming in the flesh to save us and clothe us with your grace and forgiveness. Amen. All right, boys and girls, thanks for coming up this morning. And a good morning to all of you as we gather together on this first Sunday in Advent. And uh, you could tell by the lights now are on. You could tell, if you take a look at the, the wreath, this is an Advent wreath. And each week we're going to be lighting another candle until we get to the middle one. And you will see every week the light gets brighter. That's the story of Advent. There were promises about the Messiah and the Savior and as it was getting closer and closer and closer, the light of the world came for you and for me. So, you want to come and be a part every week as we talk about the clothing of the king. So, obviously, you can tell by the readings and what Greg talked about. We're going to talk about Adam and Eve. Next week, we'll talk about Joseph of the Old Testament and the coat of many colors. And um, there's a, some meanings behind that. Uh, but I want to point you to Christmas Eve. All right, Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday. And so we, we ended up deciding we're going to keep our 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock service. And we're also going to do a 3 p.m. So as you look at your calendar, as you look at your world, start thinking which service you're going to come to. But also, which service are you going to invite and bring people with? Because we have in our circle of influence people who would be blessed by the message of Jesus, his birth and life, death and resurrection. So start thinking right now about who that is and maybe plant the seed and bring them with you on Christmas Eve, 9, 11, or 3 o'clock. All right? Uh, we have uh, some other things happening. Example on the, um, I think it's the, yeah, next week, the 10th, we have, as I wrote down, the Columbus Community Christmas Concert. And uh, it's... Uh, going to be over at the high school auditorium 2 p.m. Um, we have a lot of different members of our church who are part of that and I just love the fact that we as a community are coming together to proclaim the greatest story ever told so you don't want to miss it you can make it part of your Christmas tradition as we do this every year uh, but it's going to be December 10th so next Sunday at 2 o'clock also um, Candy Cane Lane December 15th and 16th, we are going to open our doors and welcome in our community so that they can have fun, some kind of fellowship, but ultimately, we want them to walk away knowing and seeing Jesus in what we do. So if, um, if you want to get the word out, that would be great. Start telling your family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, classmates all about it. Um, we're also looking for, it's an opportunity to serve, for about 20 people, 20 more people, so that we can do this for our community. And as I 
you know, went to the meeting this last week, I heard about the different things that are going on. I do believe that you can do those things. And yes, I'm pointing at every single person. So think about how you can bless our community. This is just one way to do it. So uh, let us know at the church office. You could talk to Brittany, and we'll get the word out there. Um, what's else is next? Um, giving garland. There we go. Giving garland. A tradition that we've been doing for years is uh, we have identified different different young people in our community and their needs and wants and wishes on this time of Christmas. So after the service, you can make your way up here. Take a look at through these. You'll see the different descriptions on there. And what we ask for you to do is to take a tag, buy a gift, bless a child, and return these gifts unwrapped, I believe, okay? Unwrapped to 1C by 1213. So we're, not, we're talking, this is the third, so 10 more days. And then we'll put them together and we'll get them over to Lake, Lakeview area and they'll do their thing so that these kids can be blessed by you. So that's the giving garland. So after the service, come on up here. Um, often those uh, carts go quickly, so you want to be a part of it. All right, what else is there? Anything else? I'm just trying to think. All right, let's go through our normal things. If you have a prayer request, 402-242-5051. We'll include those in the worship service today. We do have communion. Again, I tell people it is a great gift, not just for members of 1C. We believe it's bread and wine, body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. So if you're here today and that's what you believe, we invite you and encourage you to celebrate this meal with us. And that's going to take place in just a moment. And last but not least, if you are a guest here today, you know, I on purposely like to call you a guest and not a visitor. I don't know if you ever thought about the distinction between the two. A visitor is an outsider sometimes that you're not expecting, right? A guest is where we are welcoming you with our arms wide open, and that's what you are. So we, we're so glad that you're here. Um, we're glad that God brought you here. We invite you to come back again. Uh, but if you have questions or you want to start getting connected with us, you could text 1C guest to 94,000, and that will get you going. I'm thinking that's it, but I have a feeling there's one more, so you might hear it later. Which one? Family oh, family devotions. Thank you. I had it right here. All right. After the service, if you would like to take the journey in Advent and have a, maybe a devotional guide that will walk you through, um, Greg put this together. It's going to be at Next Steps. So you could pick this up, and again, it's for, we'll just say, people of all ages, families of all different kind of circumstances. So it's, this is what you'll get, and would love for you to be a part of that. I think that's it. Thank you. And let's continue now as we worship. Like this, the fourth, the fifth, the month fall. 
couple came to Bethlehem Expecting child they searched the end To find a place for you were coming soon There was no room for them to stay So in a manger filled with hay God's only son was born Oh, hallelujah Shepherds left their flocks by night to see this baby wrapped in light. A host of angels led them all to you. It was just as the angel said, you'll find him in a manger bed. He made you well and Savior. I do picture that, right? Whenever they, during the Christmas story, encountered Christ, there was this thing that happened inside of them where they did praise the Lord for all his promises that have now come true. And I want you to have that same framework as you experience communion. 
Jesus is present. He has come for me and for you because he understands our circumstance, our circumstance of sin and our need for his mercy and grace and forgiveness. And then the response always is this alleluia. So if you would, let's pray together the prayer of confession, and then I get to announce to you the greatest news ever. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. And I'd like for you to get ready to say alleluia, okay? So I'm going to give you the good news of what took place because of Jesus, and then I'm going to ask you to respond with alleluia. The good news is this. God seeing people like you and me, God understanding that we deal with sin all the time, sent his son Jesus to be born in Bethlehem, to live a perfect life, to die on a cross, to be placed into the tomb, and then on the third day rise again to bring forgiveness, life, and salvation for us. And the response of God's people is? With that in mind, our Lord Jesus Christ on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper. And after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new testament of my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. We continue now with the celebration of this meal.
on your door Will you turn him down or let him in For the day when Jesus comes again When we'll sing hallelujah at the time Something good re happened just now. You, you met Jesus, you experienced him, and what did I say was a really good response when you encountered Jesus? Hallelujah. Yeah, praise the Lord for the goodness he's given to you and to me. And now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen you and empower you for life, for ministry, for mission, all for the glory of God. Go in his name and in his love. Lord Jesus, indeed, we bring our hallelujahs to you. Come to earth to wear our sin and our shame and then take it to Calvary, nailed it there, rose from the grave. And now what do we wear? We wear the beauty of your grace that you've given to us. We come to you with prayers this morning, just a few, but I know that in the sanctuary this morning there are hearts who are here, they're, they're heavy. There are a multitude of needs in this sanctuary this morning. And there are probably a multitude of people saying thank you. And we just, we just bow before you. In our hearts we bend the knee. Lord, in your mercy, 
hear these prayers. For Jill and I, as we continue to work through the challenges of our relationship, and for Jill's sister Angie, as she now tries to recover from losing her home and possessions to a fire. Jesus, a prayer that you would wrap your comforting arms around Betty as she is in the hospital with heart issues and around Aaron as she begins chemo tomorrow. Grant them your everlasting peace. A prayer for our dad, Ray Stock, who passed away peacefully on Friday. He will be greatly missed. Dear Lord, please welcome Ray into your glorious kingdom. And Lord, as we close this morning, we are brought together as your people, this community of faith, to share together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Doom. Don't you like that? And then I walk up here and it's like, okay, come into that. All right, uh, let's put in the, uh, put the, the slide up there. Next slide. The number slide. There we go. <clears throat> if you count the zeros, that would be billions. So 960 billion. And um, I have asked a couple people what they think that is. I've had lots of different guesses. Do you have a guess of what 960 billion represents? Silence. All right, this is the anticipated amount of money that will be spent in the Christmas season. You can all gasp and go, oh, it's going up. We're getting close to a trillion. Now, I don't know who spends the time to figure out how much of this is being spent? I mean, even the next statistic, let's put that one up there. 49% of that $960 billion is going to be spent on clothing and accessories. And I couldn't think of anything better as an example of clothing and accessories of, uh, other than ugly Christmas sweaters. All right? How many of you uh, have one? Come on, raise your hand. Do me a favor. Over the next couple of weeks, would you wear them to church? Yeah. I'll, and, and maybe if, if you're courageous enough, I'll even bring you up on stage. And we'll talk. Now you're thinking I'll never wear it. But I would, 
love for you to do that, all right? So here's an example. Now, you're going to get to vote in just a second of which one you think is the ugliest. Um, Carrie put these together for me. Number one. Uh, oh, wow. Next one. All right, next one. Mm, wow, really pretty. Next one. That looks like it was like homemade kind of thing, right? Stick stuff on the sweater. Last one. All right. All right, let's uh, do a, just a really quick. If you think number one is the ugliest, raise your hand. Uh, number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. Okay, now it's between one and five, so we're going to kind of go back and vote. How many of you think number one is the ugliest? <laughs> and I know that voice. I'll even say who I know it was. And number five, raise your hand if you think it's the ugly. I'm going to say number one has won. Okay? Woohoo. So uh, I don't know you, if you should be proud that you know it's the ugliest one or not. Let me give you a little statistic within that. You're thinking I'm wasting time. I am actually wasting a little bit of time. Um, like an average cost for an ugly sweater is $39. Okay? Maybe you would spend $39 for an ugly sweater. Um, I looked up what is the most expensive, ugliest sweater ever. You're thinking, why would I even take time to ask the question? It's for people like you. Because you're going to walk away probably telling somebody today, yeah, church, they talked about $90,000 for an ugly sweater. I know. What? Can't believe it. But there are people that will do all kinds of things. Um, and I, I, I saw the picture of that. It, it was not that ugly, but I don't know what it was all made of, but 90000 is a lot of money for that. Well, we're going to shift gears. Our world is so fixated on appearance. It draws us, doesn't it? And we're going to hear the story ultimately that it's not about what we do, but what God does. So let me say it again, because we live, this is a time of the year where, oh my goodness, so much is uh, focused upon the externals all the time. And it's just all about that. But what's more important than the outside is what's going on in the inside. And we're going to get to that. You know, we're going to make our way through. Um, we're going to stay with the story of Adam and Eve. And what a great story, because it's a story about you and me. So let's just right, jump right into the scripture here. Uh, you've heard it already a couple times. Uh, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of of the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you, sh you are sure to die. And here is an image of Adam and Eve. Now, back then they didn't have uh, pictures and Kodak, so we just, it's just an image of what it would look like. Think about that. This freedom. I had somebody um, Facebook message me that just moved to Houston and said, Pastor, how do we explain how sin comes into the world and God's uh, gift of free will? And I said, that is such a tension point. God has his plan. He's got his desire. But he also gives free will. And that's the story of the garden. God puts him into the middle of the garden. 
He says, enjoy, have fun, have at it, right? But there's one thing I don't want you to touch. A tree in the middle. And then he gives the consequence. If you eat from it, it's, you're going to die. And I'm like, why didn't he just child-proof the garden? Why, wouldn't he, why would he have a tree in the middle that they can't touch? It's a recipe for disaster. But remember, God wanted a relationship with us. All right, He didn't want us to be robots. So that gift of free will is the second greatest gift ever. The greatest gift is Jesus. Free will is really, really good. I think we enjoy it. But it also gets us in trouble. That's the story of Adam and Eve. They, now if you follow the story, all of a sudden they eat from the, the tree. And then there is this uh, consequence. It says um, serpent comes and questions what God says. Eve then and Adam, they both ate from the tree. And then we find in verse 7, at that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Now just a little comment about this. Uh, you could put the next picture up, the image. Mankind, ever since Adam and Eve, have, they've tried to deal with sin and shame. Their own way. Adam and Eve thought, okay, let's, let's do something. There's some fig leaves. Let's make something. It really wasn't, wasn't going to make a difference. And they just stumbled and they struggled. And remember, they hid from God. That was their way of dealing with their sin. And I was thinking about all the negative emotions that came. We, we saw the one word shame, right? They felt shame. Um, and I, I came across this um, image, we'll call it, negative emotions of jealousy, frustration, sadness, shame, fear, grief, guilt, sadness, depression, despair, envy, doubt. And I'm like, wow, I think this is what's going on in, with Adam and Eve. You know, they were in the garden, and the, the devil comes and tempts them and says, well, wait a minute, God just doesn't want you to know everything. And so he's trying to sow the seed of jealousy. And then all of a sudden they cross the line and they feel despair and shame and fear and worry and guilt. And it's like they're, then they do the fig leaf thing and it's, they hide from God. And it's like, oh my goodness, that's like humanity today. That's like you and me. When we are in sin and shame, we do all sorts of things to try to remedy that. And I'm going to talk about other people. I'm not going to talk about myself. Because I never try to remedy my sin. But I could talk about other people that come into my office. Much easier that way, right? There are people that come into my office that actually drink a lot in order to try to cover up from their shame and their sin. There are people that run into one relationship after another because they're trying to sort through how they're feeling. And then, in my experience, anxiety, depression, I mean, one thing after another, this negative stuff starts clinging onto people like you and me. Because the um, common denominator for all of us, what we have in common, because we might have different hair color, eye color, shape of body, doesn't matter. We have something in common. It's called sin. It's been part of our DNA ever since Adam and Eve. So we have it, 
and we're dealing with it. But more important than that, God is dealing with it. And here's where we have a little glimpse. And it just caught me this year more than other years because this old clothing idea. Uh, next slide. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Now let that sink in for a second. So far in the garden, so far everything that's been experienced, there has been no death yet. You notice that? Even though he said, if you eat from the tree, you will surely die. And I think they're starting to feel um, the grief and the sorrow of what they did, but the death is going to be ultimately when they get out of the garden and needing life again from what God can do. But he does something in the garden to start dealing with, and if you could put the slide up, God provides the covering for the sin and shame of a people that has rejected him. So Adam and Eve, they ultimately said to God, right, I know what you said about the tree, but I'm going to do my own thing. And then all of a sudden, all this stuff started coming, the feelings, the angst, the uncertainty, and all the kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's us again. So we could jump back right into that garden and say, you know, that's you and me. And yet what God does is he kills an innocent animal in order to provide like the leather garment, the, the clothing. Does that give you a little picture of what happened about 2,000 years ago when somebody named Jesus who said, you know what, I'm, I'm innocent. I've never committed a sin. Um, but I am willing to let myself be killed by being put on a cross. I'm willing to do everything that's necessary so that people like us today can have forgiveness and that this shame and sin can be dealt with. Oh, let me uh, just read this. and I put this in my little column. From Adam and Eve on, God has been constantly caring for his creation. Let me read it. From Adam and Eve on, God has been constantly caring for his creation. Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between thy seed and your seed. He will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. Ultimately says, Satan, I'm coming. And I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to crush you. And ever since then, it, it was almost like it happened right away. They sinned, they were in despair. God says, I'm going to rescue you. And if you look at the history from Genesis all the way till today, God has been constantly caring for his creation. He's been constantly providing for the covering of sin and shame of a people that has rejected him. So let me give you one example. This is, this is just beautiful from Zechariah chapter 3. Next, the messenger angel showed me the high priest Joshua. He was standing before God's angel where the accuser showed up to accuse him. Then God said to the accuser, I, God, rebuke you, accuser. I rebuke you and choose Jerusalem. Surprise, everything is going up in flames, but I reach in and pull out Jerusalem. Next verse, Joshua, standing before the angel, was dressed in dirty clothes. The angel spoke to his attendants, get him out of those filthy clothes. And then Joshua said, look, I've stripped you of your sin and dressed you up 
in clean clothes. Love the imagery. Filthy clothes, clean clothes. So Adam and Eve to Joshua, to us. And here's where Galatians, this is where Paul leans in and says, you know what, this is just the way God works. All who have been united with Christ, you know, this connection, in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. So this idea of baptism, this idea of uh, being washed in the water, you know, being cleansed, is, uh, is an imagery that you find throughout Scripture. Now, if you could put the next slide up, you, you know sometimes I get into this little nerdy thing called Greek and Hebrew, and there is something that I came across that I just wanted you to have a picture of, because this is so hard to explain. How does this happen? When Paul says you should put on Christ, when you see those words by itself, it's like, oh, okay. And you look at the Greek, okay, there it is, really wonderful, but the New American Standard Bible says, into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. That's a different way to say it. King James Version, into Christ have put on Christ. And then the last one, what were baptized Christ, you did put on. Next slide. This is the kind of the nerdy part. So you look at the word and you look at the building of the Greek word. It says, in a sense of sinking in to a garment. So this idea of putting on Christ. And I'm like, this is, this is an imagery you just got to see. It's not like we run out and we try to put together clothing so we could be covered for our sin and it's all about me. Instead, there is a God of the universe who says, I'm going to create a clothing, his son, his righteousness. I'm going to do all of that. And all we have to do, because he's going to hold it out there for us. And we get to just kind of fall back into it. And we receive the righteousness of Christ. And it changes us in an instant, in a moment. And all of the things that we deal with, we now have a hope that is different than what the world offers. You can go to Amazon if you want to. I went on last night looking for something, right, in particular. And I'm like, you know how many options there are for this piece of clothing I'm looking for? I mean, honestly, there's like thousands and thousands and thousands. And I'm just getting lost in all of that. But I'm going to tell you there is one thing that we need. There's lots of things we may want. One thing that we need is the righteousness of Christ that comes only because of what he's done. That's why this next scripture is so important. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So it's all been done by God for somebody like you and me. It's not that we've earned it or deserved it or even contributed to it. It's purely grace. Purely grace. It's the kindness of God through his Son. Beautiful, isn't it? Now, transition. This whole idea of clothing. Um, St. Nicholas, I have uh, invited him to come here. So, uh, St. Nicholas, would you come on out here, please? Well, first of all, I just got to say, wow. I love it when I get to see trees all decorated up for this season. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's quite the... Quite you know the what? Even more wow? Those people out there. 
Yep. What an honor it must be to get to serve people like that. What an honor. Yep. Well, you know, when we hear your story, you know, um, it's pretty amazing what, what God did through you. So I, I, want, I just have a, qu- a couple questions. Sure. Um, why don't you tell us about your early years? What, what was it like? In- well, I, I grew up in, at the time, what was called Asia Minor. You probably know it as Turkey now. It was on the southern coast there on the Mediterranean. It was a, a coastal city. Uh, my parents uh, were some early Christians, very devout Christians, which helped shape my childhood. Okay. Now, you know, shaping your childhood, you, you have this reputation of gift-giving. Can you tell us how did you get there and, you know, maybe an example or... Well, I, I certainly can. Now, it was supposed to have been kind of secret, um, but if you, you get on the Internet now and you can kind of see some of these stories. Well, early on... Uh, one specific example, there was a, a father who had three daughters. He was not well-to-do. He didn't have a whole lot of money. And he needed to come up with a dowry for his daughters. And he was a proud man. I knew he would not ask for it. So I thought I would just sneak a gift into his house, through, actually through the window, so that he would have money to uh, marry his daughters off so they could live a, a nice life. Um, it was supposed to have been a secret. I've since then learned different ways of getting gifts delivered secretly. Um, well, I won't go into those exactly how it goes. Some say maybe through a chimney, but not necessarily. Yeah. So this idea of secret giving is really, really kind of beautiful. So that, that secret, that secret kind of got out. All right. Um, you became a bishop. I mean, you served the church. What, what was behind that story? Well, I'm not really sure either. I guess it had to do with maybe a lot of my generosity. And, and honestly, it was not my generosity. It was me letting the love of Jesus out. So I, I don't want you to think that I am certainly generous. It's the generosity of Jesus that's coming through me. So I hope you don't think it's me that's generous. It's the love of Jesus. Okay. Well, that led, and actually that led to me being imprisoned for a little while. And I came out of there even more determined to show the generosity of Jesus, knowing how many people needed to know the generosity. Okay. Um... There's been kind of a, maybe an evolution of names, so to speak. Um, again, you're St. Nick or St. Nicholas, but there's this Santa Claus thing that a lot of us talk about and hear. How do you feel about how, you know, what do you think about that? Well, certainly, as I've been talking about generosity, I love that there's a generosity, the giving spirit. Uh, as long as it's wrapped up in the love of Jesus, that's awesome. The love of Jesus has to be the center of all giving. Okay. And, and last one is, um, do, you, do you walk around wearing this all the time? Well, you know, I, when I was listening to the earliest part of the sermon, you started talking about the ugly sweaters. I was kind of wondering yeah, where you were going to go I with this. I wasn't talking about you because this, this would probably catch people's eye if you were in high V, right? And probably, so probably start, the police. Too. I was hoping I wasn't going to be your example of an ugly sweater. So uh, do me a favor. Would you come back next week and maybe talk about... That maybe there's symbolism behind oh, what you wear? I, I would absolutely love to. I, I take my Sundays off. I know I'm busy this time of year, but yep. I do take my Sundays off. Well, and, and you talked about those names. Yeah. You know, so there are, as you probably know, you've heard, you know, Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, uh, Claus, uh, Father Christmas, Papa Noel, lots of different names. The one I like the best is Nick. Okay. You know why? Anybody know? Any? Not just everybody gets to have a nickname. 
with that, I'll leave you. Merry Christmas. Are you applauding because you only get one bad dad joke? Or, you know, that could be. All right. Bottom line, I want you to walk away with this. Jesus Christ came for you and for me. And we see this cross and manger together. You cannot separate them. It's the same story. Born for you and for me to die on a cross and to rise again so we can have life. Life like none other. Let's stand. Let me share with you the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Love incarnate, love divine Star and angels gave the sign Bow to babe on bended knee Savior of humanity Unto us a child
go in peace and serve the Lord. of peace won't go from angel low to Calvary's hill when your pain runs deep his love runs deeper still he has always loved you child and he always will Here's the song, you're broken. 
This, this, there it is. I thought I got turned off. Checking, checking. It's, it's time for deeper dive. And that ain't no jive. Here we go. Let's see. Could I get you, since you guys are standing there, would you be so kind as to close those doors? And you're welcome to join us. Yeah, close the door. Give me uh, a large Americano with an extra shot. Okay, here we go. Deeper dive. Um, let's pray first. Father, we invite you into the deeper dive because we would like to, um, well, we'd, we'd like to be more exposure to the, your scriptures, more exposure to what do you want to say to us in a deeper way through the sermon today and through what we might be bringing into the into the room this morning. So, with that in mind, come and meet with us and open our hearts to this whole notion of being clothed anew in your righteousness. Amen. So I don't have a pre-printed questions already made out sheet like we had for yeah, Mr. Disappointment back here. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's going to be 64 on Thursday. You'll, you'll be fine. Back there is back there is semi-Arizona. Yep. So maybe one way, to, one way to kind of approach this, and I think this was in the original, you know, thinking and planning, is to, is to just ask the attendees at Deeper Dive. So you heard a sermon this morning. You haven't heard it yet. Okay. And you haven't heard it yet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, those of you that have, here's Stephanie, she, she heard the sermon this morning. If you were here and you heard the sermon this morning, let's start there. Was there something in the sermon that got your attention? Say again. Oh, yeah, Mr. St. Nick, okay. All right. That's right. Yeah, those leather coverings had to come from an animal. Anybody else make that connection for the first time, or maybe you've made it recently? In the, I, I didn't either for a long time. But it's true, isn't it? Because of sin, God had to reach back into his creation and bring death. That was, that was not what he wanted to do. Okay, so he had to... Ah, here comes my drink. Thanks, Jaina. What else did you hear in the sermon this morning, given that you were here at 9 o'clock? It could, it could be a word that just boinked home. Hmm. Or a sentence, or a part of a sentence. Hmm. Yes, the kid in the back in the blue shirt better straighten up. <laughs> 